Hello and welcome once again to the Modern Times Podcast, Political Profundity with John Guzan and Karen Weil. Hello, Karen. Hi. A very interesting couple of weeks since we've been on the podcast, um, and there's been a lot going on for sure. Um, And the topics we're going to take on today, um, whether Robert Mueller will testify, um, we're also going to talk a little bit about impeachment um, then and now, um, and we're also going to talk about war and Trump policy, foreign po- Trump foreign policy blunders. It seems like the, there's mistakes across the globe. Um, and th- unfortunately, last week, uh, the week before, um, uh, I guess over the weekend, there was a another hate crime shooting. Um, and there's also something going on with um, some of these airlines um, uh, and these airplanes like the uh, Boeing 737 MAX. We're going to talk about that. Karen, let's jump right in into Robert Mueller um, and the current um, uh, stu- you know, items of note, I guess, are whether he's going to testify, when he's going to testify, and whether anyone can stop him. I think it's kind of been known that uh, no one will be able to stop him except for himself if he wants to get himself in legal jeopardy. But c- Congress is likely going to call him, and he likely will show up. Um, what do you think the ramifications are of, of, of this current battle, I think, going on, and, and, and Donald Trump saying on Sunday um, that he didn't want him to testify? Um, and, and, and what's going to you know really play itself out over maybe the next two weeks? There's been May 15th has been a date bandied about. Um, how do you see this playing out? Well, what comes to my mind first is, isn't this the same Bob Mueller that Trump just recently lavished praise all over in his usual low IQ, low, you know, unimpressive uh, vocabulary uh, style, <laughs> that uh, he had done a fair job and everything was perfect because, of course, Trump was fully exonerated, which, granted, only 3% of the population, according to recent surveys, has read the Mueller report. Although that's still quite a few million, you know, several million Americans or more. But yeah. if, if, again, if if Trump is exonerated... Why wouldn't he want the man in charge of this to come forward and tell Congress that? That's the biggest question. It's the $64 million question. We'll amp that number for inflation. (laughs) And, um, you know, again, as usual, because Trump has things to hide, because I know you, we know we haven't, we haven't spoken in a few weeks, as we know about two and a half, three weeks ago, the Mueller report came out the full, and well, I should say that Barr was testifying on it and didn't do a very good job of that um, in front of, in front of the Senate. But I, I, and I just, again, the question that you have to ask Trump supporters, why doesn't your dear leader want this guy to testify and exonerate Trump? Uh-huh. And I, you know, it's funny, I've yet to see one of them answer that properly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do think that the House Judiciary Committee yesterday had made a premature statement that, well, no, I should cage that a little bit, that that Mueller was scheduled to testify, but then they turned around and said that that, that was tentative and we hope he'll appear. So there's no guarantee that Mueller's going to. Now, I, I think given Mueller, who you know has received a lot of criticism from, well, really from all sides of this whole debacle, because they feel he simply punted and not and didn't make a stronger case case of why Trump needed to be held accountable right now, and turn that over to Congress, not understanding that there's one inf- 
you know, one party that simply has no interest whatsoever in getting down to the bottom of this, even to, again, fully exonerate Trump, and that's the Republicans in Congress. They just don't care. And even if by some chance Trump is impeached, which I'd say there's still a 50-50 chance that happens, the Senate, either Mitch McConnell's going to make sure there's never a trial, or if there is one, I think it would be highly unlikely you'd have 67 to convict, and that being a majority of the Republicans who right. run the Senate. But I, it's just, it's, it's amusing, and it's also pathetic and infuriating to see, as usual, Trump being his crass, childlike self by not just being consistent and saying, yes, I support Bob Mueller testifying because I fully believe this is going to exonerate me. And instead we get a series of, you know, poorly written tweets where he now believes he should get an extra two years in this job, which he barely won to begin with because Jerry Falwell Jr. uh, You know, wants it that way. Uh, we don't have a president. We have a mafia thug in office. Right. But, you know, uh, that's basically what we have. And it, it this is corrosive on so many levels that I can't even begin to, I, I can't even begin to, you know, explain how many, in how many ways it is, because I would take up the entire podcast and God knows probably a lot of your <laughs> listeners don't want to listen to me for a full, uh, you know, hour or so yeah. on this. But I, I will just say this. I, I believe Robert Mueller does care very deeply about the rule of law. He cares about principles and this country. So I think the odds are heavy that he does show up. Now, does that mean he's necessarily going to produce a lot of fireworks in terms of TV, the TV hearing? No, that can't be guaranteed. But I will say, the more Americans that are watching this, the more they're going to know. And I believe the more they know, the more they're going to support Donald Trump being held accountable. Uh, well, you know, the, the I, I think the biggest questions to me ends up being what he is able to discuss and, and, and what the information is. Um, we don't know at that time whether the full Mueller report is going to even be in the hands of the committee um we don't really have any of that information right now it's almost like that's going to be the information gathering um and 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 that's kind of what Barr alluded to um you'll have to ask bob when he gets here you know he's not going to give him the evidence it's all going to have to be secondhand it seems like anything that um, is going to be um, incredibly incriminating now. It is the position of the Attorney General and the Department of Justice that those items are going to never really see the light of day if they can help it. And anything that's going to come out is going to have to be from Mueller when he testifies to Congress, which is a slightly scary prospect, I think, that we all are due to find out. Uh, you know, It's all owed to us, I think, to, to know um, what it says about um, the, an investigation into the president. Um, and so, I, you know, I guess that's a, a, a real, um, um, you, know, you know, telling, I guess, next set of, of, you know, weeks, days, however long it takes to, for us to really find out whether we're going to get, um, you know, an unredacted Mueller report and with all the, all the backing evidence or not, and then what that's going to say. Um, and, and really, that's probably going to end up being what uh, Mueller's testimony ends up being about and maybe even how long it goes. Um, if he has to also explain evidence, I might see this going even more than one day, maybe two days. Um, and so I guess we'll really have to find out. Um, 
but it seems like though there's no way and i guess that's my last question is that there's still some i think in some circles there's there's some feeling of is he going to testify or not now in 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 my opinion and from what i see i don't see that there's a way that he doesn't testify because uh the house will call him and he will show up if he gets a subpoena um n- n- you know what he says i think depends but he's going to show up in congress do you agree well, if they, if they subpoena him, and again, based on everything we know about Robert Mueller, who I will say to some degree, anti-Trump forces maybe turned into more of a Superman than what he is, and that that comment should not be taken as any criticism of how Mueller handled his job. Remember, this man had to do his job without Donald Trump cooperating in any way other than a shitty uh, you know, written answers, which he, most of the answers were, I can't recall, right? Um, you know, without any real hardcore help from people like Paul Manafort or Michael Flynn or other people who probably really know exactly how deep the connection between the Trump campaign and, you know, Russian operatives go. But it wouldn't flip on him, uh, Manafort, probably for reasons that have to do with him being more afraid of the Russians than anything else. He owes them a hell of a lot of money. And Flynn, because he's just a rabid ideologue who won't change. And also Don Trump Jr., who also is not going to turn on his daddy and, by all accounts, probably lied to investigators when they questioned him. Um, also, you know, I don't think Mueller really had all the time he needed to fully finish this investigation. Uh, yeah, there's there's just so much that we don't know. I, I suspect we're going to find out as time goes on. But time is the crucial element here. Um, we've got an election next year. You know, we've got somebody who desperately needs to stay in office because he is going to face being prosecuted by the state district, of, the Southern District of New York. Among other things, he also, if he loses next year, could very well be, you know, under a Democratic president who allows a you know, impartial, properly functioning DOJ to go ahead and prosecute him for crimes committed not only before he barely won the Electoral College, but when he was installed in the presidency. Uh, you know, Donald Trump has violated God knows how many emoluments clauses, uh, among other things. So this is a guy who's just had a sleazy record from day one, and it's only gotten worse. Um, so yeah, a lot is riding on this right now, and it, it, it's up to Bob Mueller. If he cares about the country, he'll do what he has to to come in there, answer questions. Now, he may not be able to answer everything because it may involve national security issues. Um, More remember, sexy mine, protections. Just a reminder to people, one other quick thing I want to say, there are still 14 open investigations into all of this. So by, you know, by no means when Donald Trump claims this is over or Lindsey Graham says it or anyone, is it over? It's not. They just because they say that doesn't mean it. That's what's going on. So, but this is just Trump. And it, what I another quick observation on Friday, when these what would have been very favorable job numbers for anybody in that office came out, even though you know Donald Trump deserves next to no credit for where the economy is right now. There are way many other factors that play into that, and it's not because of anything he proposed or did, but. There's a guy who could be writing on this, and as usual, Trump just steps on him on his own feet all the time. And he can't, he just because he doesn't have the first clue about how to handle positive news in a way that would really work for him outside of his base, 
you know, he can't depend on that necessarily to save it. And yes, his approval ratings are up. They're about, I think, one poll, and I don't know which one it is, 46%. I think that's the highest. Normally, John, any other president, even one who may not be as well, you know, as disliked as Trump is, or might even be as disliked, let me say that, they would probably have a higher approval rating. But I think just there is a baked-in understanding that many Americans have about Trump. It just it it yeah, doesn't matter it, how many times he claims he's being exonerated. They don't believe that. Well, you know, I mean, it's pretty clear, and you know, I think we've you know we've talked about it, and 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 everyone else has talked it you know to death how he can't just get it out of his own way. Um, constantly, you know, it's, 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 it's one thing after another. And, and you're right. I think it's baked into the electorate at this point. And that's where we say that his support is kind of baked in and his opposition is as well. And, and, um, uh, maybe there's, there's, uh, the opposition is growing, but, but not by much and not by leaps and bounds, but by slivers. Um, and, uh, right. you know, you know, the last, you know, before we move on to our next topic, the last thing I just want to agree with you with is, you know, like we had talked about previously, um, it, it seems obvious, I think that what Mueller had done, um, w- was that he identified the two people that he thought that really had the information on collusion and obstruction. And that was Manafort and Stone. He tried to put pressure on them and convict them in hopes that they would actually um, sing, um, for lack of a better word, or actually tell what actually went on and what crimes were committed. They both refused to do so, and now we are where we are. And and those things do happen, especially in conspiracy and obstruction of justice cases. You need someone to flip. Uh, you need someone to admit that a crime was committed. And so far, they just haven't gotten it done. And, and that's, and, and, you know, that's really seems like the underlying secret to all of this. Um, and, you know, um, who knows whether anyone else will see it or whether it can come out. I know that, um, you know, a lot of news organizations, even if they feel that, they, they, they know that they can't come out and say that because there's no way to justify it. Um, but it is, it is what it is, and it's a valid opinion. Um, um, so um, I don't know. Let's, but let's move on to what this all kind of creates. And I think that there's that huge national debate going on. And we know it's definitely going on in the uh, Democratic Party, but I think from a lot of other folks, too, um, on whether Donald Peach, uh, D- Donald Peach, uh, Donald Trump should be impeached um, or not. Um, and, uh, you know, there's uh, half of the uh, Democratic presidential candidates, I think, are supporting it or more. Um and there's a lot of folks in Congress who don't really have leadership in the House yet um, to support it. But it's definitely out there and it's being discussed. Um, what do you see about the whole debate? Um, and what do you see about the necessity um, and on what the evidence is so far? Um, and that maybe you just want to gather as much as you can before you want to hit them with it so that you have it all. Um, because it's one of those things that you got one swing at that ball. And if you miss it, it's over. Right. I I think, frankly, one thing the Mueller report did spell out, uh, there were more than a few examples of Trump obstructing justice. That's an impeachable offense right there. Uh, and rest assured, if you had a pres- you know, if you had a President Hillary Clinton who had done even one tenth of one percent of what Trump is alleged to have done in this report, she'd already be out of office. There wouldn't even be 
there would be such outrage. Yeah, the but again, better, you know, but again, as we know, and, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah well, forced out. Karen, that that though cuts to the rest of the heart of this. And it is that you you know you say that 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 Hillary Clinton would be removed, but we know that if she probably had a Democratic Senate or or House, she wouldn't be. Um, if well, you know, I, I mean, I because we know that that's John, well, we know why. that that's why Democrats, what what happened to her husband right. was all because of that. Um, but, you know, they had um, you know, they knew that he wasn't going to be convicted um, in the uh, Democratic led Senate at the time. Um, and so the Republican House impeached him. And, and, and we know that if the same, you know, I mean, if these things happen to a Democrat, I agree. But what I'm saying is, is that there is that we, nothing's guaranteed when you don't have the support. I understand that. But at the same time, there's also one party simply does not, you can't shame them. You can't accuse them of hypocrisy. You can't do anything to appeal to their better nature, their better angels. And that's, I'm sorry to say this, I really am. That's the Republican Party, who have allowed Trump to get away with this crap for two and a half, three years, and done absolutely nothing to hold them accountable. If you had a Democratic president right now, you would have a lot of Democrats who would be outraged by his or her behavior and demand that here, you know, hearings uh-huh. begin. Right. So at least you have the process. Right. Right. And if it turns out that, look, if it turns out by some chance Donald Trump, there's an impeachment hearing, and he doesn't get impeached, okay. Although he's still going to be damaged goods going into 2020. But fine, they don't impeach him. And the, or if he is impeached and there's a full trial in the Senate, which is what should be done, and he's not convicted, okay. He's, he's, he's off the hook in that respect, although, again, he's going to go into a, a, an election with shaky approval ratings as it is, more or less, still looking like damaged goods. So I'm just saying there's a... There's just a process here and a consistency. I really do not just want to sound, come off all the time as I'm bashing Republicans, but again, they they do not seem to care that this man has shit on the Constitution over and over again, showing absolutely no respect for the rule of law. And this is not good. And one other thing I want to say, and this actually comes from Rick Wilson, who's you know, I've quoted him before. He's a very strong GOP political analyst, no fan of Trump. But he had a tweet recently to Republicans. Basically, there is going to be a Democratic president one of these days. And if they start doing the same things Trump has done, y'all just need to shut up because you let Trump do this without any demand in any way, shape or form of holding him or anyone in this corrupt administration. And that includes William Barr, who seems to think he's Trump's attorney, not the nation's or Steve Mnuchin, or, or Wilbur Ross, or any of these people, so, or, or Christian Nielsen, who all of whom broke considerable laws and norms, and to, to no real good either. Yeah, well, hey, um, so there, there's a, there, yeah, it's a matter, it's a principle here, it's rule of law, and right. it's our democracy, and our republic, I may add. So, so but excuse Karen, me, let me for sounding too emotional about it, but... No, no. We're in a full-fledged constitutional crisis. I'm, you know, there's no other way to put so, it. So, Karen, let me. So, you think that 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 Donald Trump should have been impeached already, and and how far back should that have happened? No, I think that could only happen with a full Mueller report. I think, and I think the Democrats, who to some degree, you know, they do look like they're dithering here. To another, what I suspect Nancy Pelosi and people like Gerald Nadler are trying to do are doing, you know, everything by the book. 
So if and when they come to having the impeachment hearing, and if he's impeached, they can say, hey, we did everything by the letter here. You so don't you, like that? But then do you, fine. Acquit him in the Senate. But so we do you, did what we were supposed to. I certainly think the impeachment hearings should have started underway now. That, that's The report is out. There's clearly evidence here that Trump obstructed justice at the very least. And, yeah, they should have started this. I think they, they're, they're clinging to an, uh, a myth about the 1998 impeachment of Bill Clinton, which is simply, again, it's a myth. Yeah, but so you do think it's... Price for it, and they did so you do think that they should have started the hearings already? Um, yes. and, and And how long ago, though? I mean, once the report came well, out? I'd or? say, yes, once the report came out a few weeks, you know, two or three weeks ago. And mind you, they'd only just be starting now, given how the process works. Mm. Um, um, and I certainly believe it would have to be by the book. So again, Trump's, you know, naive fan base and his enablers can't come back and scream, this was handled wrongly. But, you know, again, they haven't done this. And, for example, you know, Steve Mnuchin today will not turn over the tax records that the Congress is requiring of him. And, you know, they're the... Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal gave this somewhat mealy-mouthed response, and I'm going to wait to see what an appropriate response is. And Charlie Pierce, who, yes, he's a pretty liberal critic, but he said, Mnuchin is not declining a request. He's breaking the law, which is what he's doing. So, I, 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 you know, I, cliches like bringing a gun, a knife to a gunfight, yeah, I think they apply right now, metaphorically speaking, with what Democrats are doing. They're expecting this person in the White House and all the people around him to be respectful of the rule of law, and they're not. So I'm afraid that that requires different tactics with, you know, and they do have those at their disposal under the Constitution. Yeah. And, well, you know, Karen, and this is, you know, when we start getting into that great gray area, I think, of the world and politics, and one of the reasons why I love discussing things with you and why I think – you know, the folks that do listen to our podcast enjoy doing that. And it's because, we, you know, we get to issues like this where we agree on 99.9% of everything. And, you know, about the, the actions of the uh, executive branch um, since 2016, about Donald Trump, about uh, almost all of, of his cabinet level uh, offices and his um, and those who he has appointed and the Senate has confirmed. Um, and at the same time, you know, I I have a level of of removing the president that has to, um, you know, I, I know some people were calling for impeachment as early as 2017, right? Um, and, right. And, well, and, and, that and, would have been, I, I think, unless there had been concrete evidence then of Trump having knowingly colluded with Russia to win the Electoral College, or if there had been proof that he had broken enough laws, maybe. I, I think that would have been a much harder, in terms of public perception, Right, harder right, hill right. For so we know but that that, they, that even okay. those that the, even those that agree, like we do, about what has gone on since that time, it becomes then a level of when, um, when that threshold I think is crossed, and and you know it is very interesting on, on 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 how you put it together. I, I you know so the way I see it, I've been fine with the way that things have been moving. You know, you know that things don't take forever because of removing a president also has to be of a high level and you have to do everything by the book or else you end up getting into the other side of a banana republic. And we already think that I feel like our executive has been acting like that. 
and it's it, it reaches the level of of how then your legislative branch has to act in a certain level, not in reacting. And so it's almost like you know you talk about bringing a a, a knife to a gunfight, um, but you know you have enough knives, and it doesn't matter how many guns you have. And I think that's really where we have to be with the legislative side, and you have to be. Um, not that, um, you know, degrade our constitutional, um, you know, processes so much that we then being on the other side of it and, and we're start impeaching based upon um, political differences. And so, no, no, you know, and I, and, I don't think I'm calling for that at all. No, no, and I'm not saying you are. That's I'm just explaining. There's a lot of evidence I, I, that Donald Trump I don't, has broken the law. I don't if think that you are. Work, I would say, no, the problem with him is political. No, I, I, but, I'm i not yeah. saying, you know, what I was saying wasn't directly related to what you think. Okay. You know, I mean, I wasn't trying to, you know, you know, come down on you for your point of view. I'm just saying that that's where we are. And that's where I feel like, you know. Even I give even more time and more ability for us to really kind of prove these things and people to come together and even grant that um, that we know when when there's going to be a successful removal because that's how important that is. It's almost you know like I said, you got one swing at one pitch, and that's it for impeachment. Once you do it once and it doesn't work, you're basically neutered and you can't go back there again. It's, your bar is going to be even higher. And with as dangerous as this president has been, um, you know, swinging and missing might be even more dangerous because then we don't have that ability if he does something else, um, you know. And, and, and so, you know, it's, it's just, you know, that's where it is. I mean, I completely agree. I would have liked it if he had, you know, decided maybe to resign eight months ago. But you know, we're not there. And so, you know, so I completely agree with everything you say. It's just, I'm okay with being patient with it. And, you know, it's just, but again, it, I think that's the beauty of it because I'm with you and I'm a hundred percent behind you and, 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 and almost everyone else who feels the same way, but I'm fine with kind of letting things play themselves out. Even, even if that means the ballot box. I, I think that's the best way. Ultimately, the problem is, is we're heading into now the 2020 election and you can, there's going to be, you know, mainstream pundits claim, oh, this is getting too soon. It's too soon before the election. And they should just lay off this when, you know, there are risks to any of these processes. And I, you know, one way or the other, the Demo- it's, this is not going to be a perfect outcome. But it has to start in the not too distant future if we're going to have any respect for the rule of law. That's my point. I'm with you. And whether it ends up being that, you know, you censure or you do whatever else you have to do, I think there needs to be something on the record. And and I'm 100% behind you on that. Um, let's move on to the next one, if we can, if, if, if we're okay, unless you got anything else waiting in your pouch on that one. Well, the other thing I just want to mention, and it's unfolding, I mean, there's also the, you know, the, the, the Democratic controlled Congress wants to hold William Barr in contempt. So... Yeah. This is another factor that that plays into all of this. Right. Um, What's going on in Venezuela? Um, What's going on in uh, the Middle East? Um, What's going on all over that there's interactions? We could talk about Syria probably too. We could talk about North Korea. Um, But there's, uh, it seems like foreign policy is also starting to catch up with this administration a little bit. Um, things are, are really starting to fall apart in Venezuela and there's no solution. It's just kind of been stuck in this quasi revolution stage for nearly a month now. Um, uh, and the North Korea gambit didn't play off. 
Um, you know, which where you know what hot button issue do you want to tackle first here, Karen? I mean, we got we got some real doozies. Well, do you know today the United States uh, sent out a carrier strike group and a bomber task force to the Middle East to, according to an Al Jazeera report, to send a clear message to Iran that any attack on U.S. interests or to allies will be met with unrelenting force. Now, I'm no fan of the Iranian regime whatsoever, but what exactly did Iran, has Iran done in the last few days to merit this is my question. So I, I find the timing of what the Trump administration is doing to be odd, to say the least. And again, no love for the Iranian government. They're disgraceful. Um, but it, it just seems like the this, this seems to be quite convenient for the Trump administration to have right now. And, and when, frankly, in terms of Iran as a threat, from everything we've seen, that's on the back burner at this point. The issue with Venezuela is, is far more important right now because, sadly, that country is descending into chaos, and it, it's a terrible thing to witness. Um, there's also the matter of, of Kim Jong-un just basically flipping us the bird by having you know, a missile test recently. And, of course, this just make Trump, makes Trump look like an even bigger buffoon than he already is because of the just, just gross things he said about how he and Kim have an understanding in their friends. Kim looks at him pretty much the way any other leader does, as a chump and someone who can be played by flattery. So I, I, I go back to it again. Why are we dealing with Iran right now? I, I, I'm confused. Maybe you can educate me on that. Because it's very dangerous here. That, that, that is a powder keg if things start to escalate. Yeah, you know, I have no real reason, I don't think, besides... Um, you know, it just being one of those things. So, you know, I, I that uh, it's misplaced. And as we know, uh, finally made an Iran deal and we thought we could move from that. And, you know, we've we've we, we've discussed this many times before. And we know that that deal was mainly to give them money that was theirs to begin with. Um, and maybe we're putting our best foot forward finally. Um but it's it's just one of those things. I think the you know Trump's base really reacts to um, anything for Iran. I think there's that, um, you know the the what got put into the American psyche um, with the Iran hostage crisis. I think still hasn't gone away, um, and Iran will constantly be this 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 uh, shadow enemy. Um, among certain circles in the United States, who knows when that goes away? Hopefully soon. Um, you know, but I think, you know, Venezuela is even more interesting to me. Um, you know, we know that, um, well, we've talked about um, the tight connections between Russia and Putin and, 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 and Trump. And, and it doesn't play itself out even any more clear than it does in Venezuela, where, you know, the, the Russians have really backed Maduro. We know, you know, they call it socialist. We can, you know, talk about that forever. It's about as socialist as um, you know, Stalin was, um, you know, not very uh, communist or socialist at all, at all, just really a dictatorship. Um, and, it, they, you know, that keeps the means of production and all the natural resources for themselves. Um, and no, Russia was going to you know, really manipulate Venezuela to be an oil, per, you know, uh, s- supplier for them. Um, and as even Pompeo said, um, they told uh, Maduro not to leave, um, what, a, a week, week and a half ago. Um, so, you know, I think that playing out really shows what's going on. And there was that conversation that got released this weekend between uh, Putin and Trump talking about Venezuela specifically. 
Um, you know, something's got to be done there, and it's so close to home. It also ties in with the whole border issue. As we know, a lot of people from Central and uh, South America are, are the ones flooding to the border area. Um, you know, that's really, I think, one of those that Trump can't run away fast enough from because it's all it's got all those, um, you know, things that, that make his core policies horrible, um, uh, uh, really shine the light on why they're 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 just invalid and why they're there's kind of like a, a foible for the idiot. Um, uh, so, you know, I don't know. Um, it just seems. You know, Venezuela is what I'm, you know, constantly looking at. I think Iran is another sh- you know, rattling of the swords, another wagging the dog. Um, but Venezuela's real. Yes, it is. And it's interesting you mention Russia, because Russia right now has a lot of money in Venezuela. Um, there's a Forbes article by an author named Kenneth Raposa who says, you know, and it's a terrible gamble, but reportedly Russia has investments up, up around, you know, $17 billion dollars. And if there were a political shift in Venezuela, that's going to, you know, deprive Russia of one of its most vocal international allies. Um, so, and I think, look, again, Vladimir Putin looks at Trump as a useful idiot. We know that. And so he's not going to abide by anything Trump suggests when it comes to his country's interests in Venezuela. So, and I, look, Maduro is a horrible person. You know, he's, a, he's also a dictator. It's interesting Trump criticizes him because he's just looking in a mirror, really, at, you know, a similar fellow traveler. Um, I think they're just, you know, we're just not clear who, you know, Guido, and I'm probably pronouncing his name incorrectly. Nick, uh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's Guido. Guido, or Guido. I'm sorry about that, folks. Uh, who wants the U.S. to launch a military intervention in this country, which... You know, I, that automatically raises a lot of red flags. Yeah. Uh, again, this is another this is another very tricky foreign policy decision. Where right now, John, I don't think we have good players on either side of this, frankly. And the, it's the people who are suffering, you know, who are getting the worst of this, uh, one way or the other. And you know, if we were to send in troops, does that possibly result in a clash with Russia? And where would that lead? So this, yeah, you know, this is a, a really dangerous situation. Uh, and, of course, I, I frankly think the only reason the Trump administration gives two hoots in hell about Venezuela is because there oil, there's oil there. They wouldn't care one way or the other. Yeah, uh, and, you know, a lot it, of that it is... didn't have any. Yeah, and a lot of that is... We sadly have not seen a lot of that. Yeah, and a lot of that is... is uh... Um, allocated for Russian interests. And, and there's also the whole Cuba deal in play, I guess, that some people are saying, um, you know, that that that, that Cuba is really supporting Maduro. Um, and in that same Forbes article, it also mentioned that supposedly Aguaido um, also uh, has spoken to Russian newspapers telling them, hey, we're still going to honor all the contracts that we have with your country, um, even if I take over. Um, so who knows really what 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 is there? But we know that there's geopolitical games being played um, between um, you know Russia and Cuba and others. And I think that they you know as we know, um, it's it's the influence that they have on Trump um, whether he can really pull anything off or whether he sells too much um, out to them when he discusses things. Whether it's basically that oh I'm never going to launch military um, intervention there. So they know that they can do really whatever they want. Once they know for sure that that that, that threat is taken away, 
um, then then it becomes a different game. They can just stay there, um, you know, theoretically forever. Um, and so, um, you know, it, it it's it's it again goes back to I think what we know is the weakness of the executive, especially on the geopolitical level, and the um, the tight connections that there are that do exist between Russia and Trump or those in his orbit. Um, it definitely puts the United States in a weaker position, I think, is 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 the ultimate, um, I think, thing to to get from all this in whether we're talking about North Korea or anywhere else. They might just kind of know what U.S. policy is um, before some do in the State Department and in the Defense Department. So I think that's a weakness. And we don't know that for sure. But it sure does seem like that. It, sh- it sure does seem like like the U.S. is being played internationally because of that. Um, but, you know, right. who, who really knows what's really going on, right? Well, that's correct. And again, as I said, you know, Maduro is is a dictator, not somebody we want to be doing business with. But Guaido just seems like somebody who I, I don't think the U.S. really knows enough about him to fully back him. Again, I just my heart breaks for the average citizens there who are on the brink of starvation, among other things, who are caught in the middle of this mess. Oh, yeah. They're, you know, they're, they're, and no matter what happens, even if somehow Guido was truly a good actor in this, and he may very well be, but you're still not going to have, a, you know, a happy ending here. Um, it seems to me right now the best solution would be humanitarian in terms of getting food and other supplies to Venezuelans and, and perhaps having a neutral party come in to arrange, I, I don't know if you could call it a ceasefire or something to that degree between Maduro and Guaido with the hopes of getting Maduro to leave office. Mm-hmm. But again, don't think there won't be rubble left over from that because there will. And let us so, not forget too uh, that... It's just, and again, when you have the Trump administration involved, there's just no way to be confident in a good outcome. Because they're just they're incompetent actors involved in it. So, and let's not forget that most of this comes from basically a uh, uh, a corrupt election. I think is is really where it finally hit the fan, and there was ability to get some of these guys out. It, it, It happened again with Maduro, and I think that was just the end of it. And that's what the legislature did in. Uh, Venezuela to kind of recognize Guaido. So, um, you know, this is not just uh, an uprising anyway. This is kind of, hey, we're not even being allowed to vote and we're being told we live in a democracy. So um, yeah. um, let's move on to our next topic. And this is, you know, something that's very close to you. So I'm just going to turn it right over. Um, um, there was a shooting in your hometown. So um, and I know that you were also covering it for uh, City News Service. Um, so I don't know, Karen, give us some um, a feeling about what happened um, from what you know, what you covered, um, you know, just kind of let us know. Well, I should know Poway is not my hometown. I'm, well, yeah, I'm sorry. In Las Vegas, Your current I, I residence. I live in this area yeah, now. Sorry. Um, but at any rate, it's a, it's a very quiet city with, it's got one of the lowest crime rates in the nation. Uh, it's known as the city in the country. When a murder happens here, it's rare. Uh, it's always shocking. Certainly. Um, but last last Saturday at the Chabad of Poway, uh, a 19-year-old man came in and, uh, you know, fi- started firing on worshippers who were, who were there Saturday. One woman was killed. 
Uh, Lori Kay was her name. Uh, there was a funeral for her on last mo- last Monday, uh, and it was, of course, a very emotional, moving thing to observe. Um, I went down there on Saturday before to help cover a press conference, and just one thing you kept hearing people say, and these are journalists who have seen a lot of bad stuff, but there just was genuine shock that this was happening in this community. Um, the suspect, of course, is in jail, and uh, he's, he could very well be eligible for the death penalty, possibly under federal statutes. Uh, Gavin, Newsom, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has, uh, I believe, I signed an executive order forbidding the death penalty at this time, or, or he, you know, he could very well get, I'm not going to identify the shooter's name. I'm not going to give him the publicity. He doesn't deserve it. But he, or he could get life in prison. Of course, uh, you know, there hasn't even been, you know, there hasn't even been a preliminary hearing yet. But it is certainly shattered, uh, and I, you know, I don't want to use the term shattered the innocence, but it, it has to some degree of this community. It's also another horrific anti-Semitic crime. As we know, just, in fact, it was nearly six months to the day of the Tree of Life shooting synagogue, of the synagogue there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There have been numerous other attacks. There have been vandalism attacks on uh, synagogues and, and Jewish cemeteries. It should be noted that this suspect in the Chabad murder is also believed to have vandalized a mosque in Escondido, which is a, a fairly big city just north of, of Poway. Um, and, of course, we've seen attacks on mosques. We, we, of course, we saw the attack in New Zealand back in March. Uh, we, saw, we, we saw 200 Christians murdered in Sri Lanka. Uh, by ISIS, who, by the way, you know, Trump, I thought Trump said we'd gotten rid of ISIS. Well, you know, they're still around committing horrifying acts. So, uh, just, we, you know, there is, there is a sickness. It's not just in this country, but it's in other parts of the world of people who attack various religions based on their own twisted ideals. And I forget, I'm not going to try to quote it, but there's been a great rise in anti-Semitic attacks, especially in this country. We, we we saw what happened in Charlottesville, you know, in August of 2017, with these sick people chanting, chanting Jews will not replace us. Uh, and also, they, you know, were coming from a white supremacist type of viewpoint, which is equally disgusting. But it, this just, um, you know, this has really shaken up the area where I live. And it's it just, you know, there's no... There's no easy fix to this, as we know, John, because this this scumbag who's accused of doing this reportedly was influenced by websites like 4chan and 8chan, among others. He'd had a social media manifesto, um, which, again, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. If, I think that was on Facebook. It might have been taken off quickly once some people reported it. But, you know, in part, this whole sick movement is you know, the, the, the flames of it grow even harder because of social media. Mm. And, and so I, I just to get my heart breaks for Lori Kay and her family and the people who witnessed this terrible thing. Uh, so I, you know, I just, unfortunately, again, we don't have a, a person in the white house right now who really can bring people together. Trump did invite the rabbi of the congregation to the prayer breakfast. Okay, fine. Um, it's unfortunate though, that he's retweeting, 
you know, white supremacists, among other things. So doing one thing, saying one thing and doing another. And it's not, look, it's not just to be fair. It's not just to him that this is on. It's on all of society. Uh, there was a vigil here last Monday where the mayor of San Diego, Kevin Falconer, said, you know, we ask ourselves, what, what can we do to end this kind of hatred? He said, well, look to your left and look to your right. You know, look at the person next to you. You know, it, start, it, it starts with you. It starts with them. It, you know, it starts with all of us. And, yeah. and, you know, to the shooter's family's credit, they came out immediately said, you know, we are horrified by what our son has done. And this is not, this is not how we believe or feel. And we did not raise him to do this. Yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, and you, your heart breaks for that family in a way, too, because they're thinking, my God, who is this person? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, it must be awful to be a parent and look at this guy and say, you know, is this my son? I, I don't recognize this person. It's mm-hmm. So it, a, a lot of shattered lives here. Oh, yeah. And, you know, just to, I looked it up while you were talking and um, Department of Justice does say hate crimes, um, single incidents against race, race, ethnicity and ancestry, about 700 higher um, between 2016, 2017. Um, against religions, mm-hmm. about 300 higher. Um, sexual orientation up. Um, um, you know, it's kind of you know across the board. There's just been more uh, hate crimes, um, at least in you know from 2016 to 2017. Um, I think they just came out with some of their numbers for 2018 not too long ago, but they really haven't broken all of them down yet. Um, but you know, as I mentioned to you when we talked about it, and I talked about a, a mass shooting that I covered in 1999 and that was at a homeowners association where a guy was just mad um because you know where he had parked his car and you know fees and things like that but as we know these things will never kind of go away there's always kind of some nut out there who will try to do things but whatever we can do i think to lower them i think is always important right no one wants to see anybody and especially for these you know, when, when, when they're even, when people are grouped by their religion or their race, it's, uh, it's even, you know, when you kind of see somebody shoot up an HOA, you just kind of go, well, he was obviously a little bit off. Um, you know, at the most, you just got to move, um, you know, people that are, 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 you know, based on race, um, creed colors, um, you know, whatever they, you know, religions, um, I don't know, it just kind of rings a, a, you know, a bell where you start to wonder, you know, what's going on. And I think, you know, as you said, it, we have to look right. We have to look left. We have to figure out, uh, I guess, also look in the mirror at ourselves. Um, you know, I mean, because there, we can't leave any stone unturned here. What we can do to to stop these these random shootings, no matter what they're motivated by, um, even if it is an HOA thing, how, how, how we can stop that, you know, it's... Um, I don't know. It just it just seems like they're happening way too often. Um, you know, this one in the Gabby Giffords, I think, really kind of struck home for me because, you know, the first thing I did is, you know, text you, uh, I think, uh, on Saturday uh, because, you know, really hit home because, you know, we have a... Yeah, you know, I remember that. You know, we have a, you know, fairly close friendship, you know, beyond our podcast. And, you know, the first thing I was, you know, I knew you probably weren't there. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And, you know, um, I don't know. I think I, I yeah, no, that was heartbreaking as well. Yeah, it's just it's, it's just we got to figure out a way, don't you think, to stop at least oh, at I, least reduce. I couldn't agree more. I but I, I and I again, they're just what's happening right now. You know, for for some reason, these types of of hate groups 
feel emboldened and their followers feel emboldened. Um, we've looked, we've always had this element in our country and there's no denying that, but given, you know, websites that encourage this kind of evil behavior and hatred of other people based on their race or their religion or gender or, you know, what have you, uh, there's just, there's no easy answers to this other than just people raising their kids to, to have open hearts and not be bigots. And, and I, as we've seen within the case of this Taoway shooter, by all accounts, his family certainly did not preach this kind of garbage. So let's move on to our last topic. Um, the Boeing 737 Max, two crashes, they, the planes get grounded. It's still there. Um, there's been a lot of going on, uh, whether they knew, whether it was rushed, what happened, what went wrong, um, you know, what the problem is. Um, it, it, it does seem like a, um, at least the, all the evidence coming out was that it was a rush or that they were trying to um, sell an option. Um, and if they, you didn't buy that option, you might have a dangerous airplane. Um I don't know. What do you make of all this? And um, I think that I think the, the you know some of the greatest things that we can take from it is that at least there was only two crashes. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. It seems like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, today Charlie Pierce, the Esquire columnist who I mentioned before, and, and really it, the Seattle Times, which broke this story, and Boeing, of course, is right. originally from Seattle. Now Boeing has since moved its headquarters to South Carolina uh, for financial reasons and, uh, you know, to avoid unions. And this is a company, you know, that at one point had a sterling reputation. It, it was very much part of, of American tradition and, and an aerospace tradition, you know, and defense that paid, you know, good wages to people for the work they did. Uh, help you know build Seattle certainly along with Microsoft and uh, you know part of the tech boom there in the last 50, 25 you know 30 years but it just seems like if, if you read the Seattle Times piece in 2016 Boeing raised to get this 737 Max certified by the FAA um, there was a senior company engineer whose job was to act on behalf of the FAA who kind of said to Boeing you know, about the management demands for less stringent testing. Hey, wait a minute. You know, that's not how we're not supposed to do anything. I mean, we've got to make sure this fire suppression system is working. Um, Boeing obviously didn't like that. Let him go. Um, and so it went because this did, because the engineers insistence on the higher level of, of safety cost Boeing time and money, uh, you know, after, even though he's had backing from peers, Boeing sort of abruptly, like I said, removed him from the program um, because it wanted to get this thing on the market without being 1,000% sure that it was safe. And according to the Seattle Times report, you know, they reviewed documents and did an interview with, you know, more than a dozen current and former Boeing employee, you know, engineers, employees, um, who had been involved in airplane certification. You know, many of them you know, while they were officially designated to be the FAA's eyes and ears, they faced heavy pressure from Boeing to limit their safety analysis and testing so the co company could meet its schedule. <laughs> and now, you know, now we have the results of that. People killed in plane crashes that didn't have to happen. Um, and I think what this speaks to, 
not every company wants to violate the law and flout, you know, regulation, but when that happens, more often than not, there's disastrous results, either because you have a plane going down and innocent people losing their lives, or you have a whole economy crashing on a metal level, as we saw in 2008, because of years of deregulating the economy, allowing banks to do whatever the hell they wanted to without any oversight. And you were still paying for that today. To some degree, that's why Trump is in office, sadly. Uh, and some degree, not the full thing, of course. So this just, to me, it's a, it's another fine, you know, fine, terrible example of when you have corporate malfeasance and no one to hold it accountable. And I'm, you know, I won't hold my breath for the Trump administration to do anything about this. If they do, great. But I wouldn't set a night timer to it. Well, you know, there was a, I think, you know, I, I, I don't think it's done yet, but I think that the U.S. Department of Transportation uh, in March um, requested an audit of the regulatory process that led to the aircraft certification in 2017. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see really what, what, what comes of that um, or whether they're actually doing anything besides saying that they want to do an audit. I haven't heard that it's been made public or that there's anything come out from it. Um, but, you know, it does seem like a real, uh, um, you know, no matter what we want to think of, 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 of Boeing or what they've done or, you know, to me it also leads into the uh, amalgamation and the um, unification, I think, of the uh, defense industry and the aerospace industry. Um, you know, Boeing's really kind of taken over a lot of the cra- uh, aircraft. Um, there's not, there's nothing else anymore. There's no competition. There's nothing to really work on. Um, so, you know, what, what has, you know, whether that's impacted anything, um, you know, but it, no matter what, as you mentioned, Boeing's become a standard bearer and they, you know, a lot of the markets depend on, on where Boeing stock is, a lot of the different uh, uh, funds. I don't think it's good for American uh, interests at all that this is going on. And I think that's one of the things that I think we um, and Boeing needs to take uh, seriously is the responsibility that it has for our economy and for our American uh, impression across the world. And, and, and we don't want to lose any of that. So it's a it's a huge responsibility, I think, um, even more so than an automaker is. Um, and, and, you know, I think we have to take it as such. And, and I think they need to take that responsibility as well. And I think that's one of, one of the things we pride ourselves on. Um, and it reflects on our country besides everything else that we've talked about. And all those decisions matter, um, whether you have the right people working there, whether you give them, um, you know, uh, the leeway to do their jobs correctly. Um, and, and all those things are important. Um, and, and obviously something's been let down here. Yeah, I, 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 I just, I, and I've read part of the Seattle Times story. I've not had a chance to read the whole thing, but what's there is, is pretty shocking. And again, this didn't need to happen if Boeing had just let these engineers fully do their job. Uh, you know, may, and in the long run, it could have been a better product for them and probably more sales, but, you know, this has damaged Boeing's reputation quite a bit, probably going to damage its, you know, its business quite a bit in the long run, too. So, I, again, people are dead here. That's, that's you know, the worst of it. Right. I mean, um, and you know, and it's not like this is a new airplane, really, either. I mean, it is, it's just an update to the old 737, 
Um, but, you know, it was that maneuvering characteristics augmentation system um, that, that, that supposedly went wrong um, and that it, it, it automatically lowers the aircraft nose when a sensor indicates that a stall might be happening. Um, so, you know, that's really, I think, where the, you know, right now that's what's being pointed to as being the problem, that that sensor was there, whether there was additional things for overrides and making that easy, um, and even if it's just training. Um, and that, and, you know, you know, training was the problem. Um, but you know, there's gotta be a better way for us to make good airplanes and still make money. I mean, no one wants to make it. So Boeing, um, goes bankrupt because they hire a lot of people and they employ a lot of people. Um, so in order to do all that though, you need a safe airplane, um, that people trust in and, um, no rush uh, and no hit to your bottom line or your quarterly earnings is, um, going to withstand, uh, is, is th- those little small hits are better than losing, um, uh, you know, market share because people are going to go somewhere else or another company will do it. Uh, another country probably will have to end up doing it. We know that really the only competition for Boeing is, um, in Europe. So, um, you know, right now, right. so, but you know, you still have to live up to it or else, you know, they'll start buying planes somewhere else. Yeah. I, no, I agree. I mean, I, I you know, you, you certainly don't, uh want Boeing to fail, but there, there's there got to be some reforms within that company, certainly. And then there need to be, you know, consequences, too, for those who allowed this to happen. Yeah, and, you know, and like we had talked about, that's some of the roles that government plays with vital um, industries like uh, aircraft manufacturing. That's why they're so inside of what they do, whether it's FAA, Department of Transportation. There's, they're heavily regulated, and they're heavily regulated for a reason. Um, and those reasons aren't just to try to help them make money. And I think that that's, you know, wh- whether we can, um, you know, have a have a tight, um, you know, uh, connection to the current administration or not. But you, that's where you have to realize where regulation and oversight, um, you know, gets away from the libertarian idea. And, you know, you, someone might believe that. But then when you get to those situations where then planes can fall from the sky um, because there's no regulation and oversight. And that's why it's there. That's why it's important. And that might be where, um, you know, the world was let down by our oversight of of this of this corporation who really, as we all know, they're there to make money for their shareholders. And and that's some why sometimes and especially in vital industries, you need to have regulation. I, I agree with you. Well, Karen, the end of another podcast, unless you have something else to add to this. And it, it, it's it's been great as always. Thank you. We'll, uh, we'll uh, have to see what develops in the near future on all of this stuff. Well, we're going to be back to our regular podcast schedule, I think, for the next several weeks. Next week, we got of a uh, Hurry for Hollywood with Tom Johnson, where he's at the Turner Classic Movies Festival. Um, but uh, Karen and I could still maybe fit one in. But regardless, for sure, we're going to be back two weeks from now, as long as I can convince Karen to do it, which doesn't take much, um, thankfully. Um, she, I think she enjoys it as much as I do. Uh, but thank you, Karen, for joining me again today. You're welcome. And thanks to all the listeners out there. And we'll talk to you at, we'll talk at you next time, everybody. Thank you. Bye.